my friend, welcome back to the Summit Up podcast, the podcast powered by Summit Salon Business Center. I'm your host, Blake Reed Evans, and thank you so much for tuning in. Today's episode is going to be focused on all things barbershop because I know that I've experienced some interesting challenges whenever it comes to working with barbers and trying to build that part of our business and our salon company. And the best person that we could have this conversation with is Jessica Leupold. Now, Jessica is a Summit consultant and is the team leader for the barbershop division at Summit Salon Business Center, as well as the owner of Elaine James in Delaware. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thanks, Blake. I'm so excited to be here. This is my first podcast. Well, I'm excited that you're here. You know, I've known you for years just through Summit and I've taught at your salon company before and I'm just excited for us to have this conversation because it's, it's just such a big part of our industry and for so many of the people in our summit community and just the the listeners of the podcast, majority are salon owners, right? And barbers have become this like mysterious group of people that we're trying to figure out. So I'm excited for us to have this conversation so we can help help demystify the barbers. <laughs> Me too. I love what you said about mysterious. I was thinking yesterday about this podcast and I'm like, how would I describe the excitement and the fun that goes along with really learning more about barbers and taking this leap into the barbershop world? And it's like barbers are edgy. They're, they're different than stylists. And being a stylist by trade, I was always enamored by the personality, the style, the flow, the, the mindset of barbers. And I would say barber stylists too, because there's a lot of cosmetologists that are now barber stylists. Yeah. And so just jumping right into it, like, because there has been a really big evolution I've seen, like with, like you said, cosmetologists that are getting their barber license or cosmetologists that are like staying in school for extended periods of time so that they can get their barber license. Why do you think that that's happening? Because I, I, I've been in the industry for 13 years, and I only think since maybe, maybe the last five, that has become like a really big trend. Yeah, I think, you know, for for those of us who are licensed in this industry, as we see, you know, regulations changing and, and you know, very different regulations across all the states, it's kind of silly that you're stuck in one particular arena and there's no way to cross over and evolve as a service provider in this industry. I love that states now are adding, you know, if you have your cosmetology license, you can just take a 90 hour class and get you certified for your barbering license. Cause I find the only difference is really the shaving aspect, right? If you're a barber, you can straight razor shave. If you're a cosmetologist, you can't. But then also barbers, they don't cover a lot of certain chemical services unless you get your master barber's license in some states. So for the standpoint of making money in this industry, in, in both worlds, you need to have it all. And the world needs to evolve to be able to provide that. And I think social media plays a part of it. I think it's evolved the barbering world. It looks more interesting. Before we would have, you know, people, cosmetologists coming out of cosmetology school and they hadn't really hardly learned any barbering skills whatsoever. And now we're teaching that from the foundation forward. And it's a necessary evolution for this industry because everybody needs to be inclusive. If that's what we want to be as human beings is inclusive, then let's make this more of a well-rounded inclusive career path. 
Yeah, I love that you're you're talking about that because I think that um, inclusivity can come from all regards, right? Like there are so many men who come into our salon company and go, well, I can never get my hair done here. And I'm like, actually, we have barbers and barber cosmetologists that actually work here. All of us are, are really well trained in how to take care of a barber type haircut. So it's just even simply just making men f- feel like they can also get their hair done in our companies is huge. And then, of course, there are lots of human beings who get barber haircuts that may not identify even as a man, but that's exactly the kind of services that, that we can provide. And one of my greatest joys as a service provider is to be able to do the hair of like an entire family. It's such a magical thing, I think. And in terms of doing hair, it's it's really cool. Yeah, I agree. I also think, you know, when we started doing the studies and understanding what was happening in barbershops versus salon companies, we found that 42% of persons getting their haircut will go to a barbershop, and the other 40% are going to salon companies, and then the others are doing it at home, right? But that's a huge difference and, an, and a huge opportunity. And the reason that we discovered through the study and, and you know, subscribing to industry data reports was that the experience that someone would get in a salon varied from what they would get in a barbershop and vice versa. So traditionally, if you got, you know, you would go to the barbershop, you'd wait, right? There was no appointments. You'd be sitting there for 15 minutes, you know, 20, 30, it would just keep going. Maybe two hours I used later. To wait, Jessica, I used to wait. Sometimes I would go to the barbershop and I'd wait an hour and a half because whoever they liked better than me came in and actually barbers really ushered in online booking in our industry for that exact reason. Yeah, absolutely. And I also have a great understanding that the millennial generation places a high value on self-care. So Mm -hmm. for them sitting there waiting an hour and a half for a 15 minute haircut, but they're not getting a scalp massage, you're not getting the full experience. Maybe you're not getting the shoulder massage machine that, that they use just didn't feel like worth your time. And so I think that the generation has really ushered this forward. Men want a place, and I would just say anybody who wants a place where they can feel like they're a part of something and they have that connection. And then also the gender neutralization of how we speak about services has helped bringing this to the forefront of what the experience looks like, I believe. You know, I see in the barbershops I go coach, it's all genders, right? They're just as inclusive as salons and they they want to be that. They don't want to be like Grandpa Joe's barbershop. And you can see so many cool things that barbers do on social media, <laughs> right? And it's like, yeah. I want that, you know, the designs, the edging. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And I, me as a, as a stylist, I never really thought about being that interesting until, you know, social media really brought it to the forefront. Yeah. Well, there's been such an evolution too with barbering because so much hair color is starting to happen on shorter hair. It's cool to watch it happen. And it's continuing to evolve too. like taking people super platinum has been really, really huge. And it's just, it's cool to watch this evolution. And it's like a convergence of both licenses. I mean, I, I could totally see hopefully for the future where we can just be Cosmo barbers together. You tack on another couple hundred hours to school. So you know how to do shaving properly and we can just all be dual licensed. That would be really cool. That would be so great. (laughs) Hopefully we are alive for that day. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to jump into the mystery behind barbers and their thought processes and everything like that, because 
personally recently I've been working with a group of it's a salon barbershop heavy on the barbershop in, in a certain region it's a franchise group and they have 40 locations across the country and barbers are so unique in terms of even just trying to recruit them to come work for you because a common mindset that I've experienced just from from hearing everybody is that they want chair rental commission doesn't sound good to them. And I've even heard this from Barbara friends as well. How do you combat that? How do you make it appealing to work in a commission salon if that's the structure that you have within your company? I remember being in the salon industry, you know, I've been around for a while. I I won't tell you how long, but um, when we first came into this world, salons were doing the same thing. We were 1099 people. We were doing all of these things that weren't really legitimate. The people are running their businesses inappropriately and not as a business. So it's just a matter of time where the conversation really shifts. And, and our our job and our role is to really help the barbershops and the barber stylists be better and grow and evolve in this industry because of the ability to really succeed in a commission barbershop. You know, we, we're working with people who have chair rental barbershops and want to open commission barbershops. And I asked them, why do you want to do this? And their biggest reason is the values. They want to have a team, right? They want to serve everybody and have standards. So it's about branding, right? Mm -hmm. I have a, I was just in a barbershop the other yesterday, actually coaching. And the owner was telling me about his friends who own who have a booth rental barbershop and he's trying to get them to join up and be coached by us because they're booth rental and they're like on Saturdays, we have people who want to come in, but none of our booth rentals, you know, they're not working and we have no control over that. So to me, it's what are the consumers looking for and the experience that they're looking for? And they want to get a service. You know, they're coming in with their friends. Someone's bringing in their family members. They're seeing four different people. Well, they just want to transact and check out in one checkout experience, right? They wouldn't have that if they're going to a booth rent shop and they're seeing four different people. They got to check out four different times. Yeah, there's four different square readers you have to tap <laughs> <Exactly>. into. <laughs> I would say, you know, to professional barbers, start thinking about what it is for the consumer. You can make money both ways. And, you know, there are some people that will just their career path and, and the way they see themselves fits that sweet rental model, but you know, how many are looking for commissions and let's not count them out, right? Because 95% of people coming out of school needs to be in a structured environment and a team-oriented environment and they want that teamwork and they want that education and they want that company and they want to have a pathway for success. So that's what the difference is of what a commission shop can provide. Yeah, I, I love all of that. I, I want to dig into to like how to retain barbers. Like, so you get one recruited, they buy into it, and then keeping them motivated. Because that's the second thing that I, I've heard often out in the world is they come, and then sometimes a, a decent portion of them just are like they just want everything to kind of like show up for them, like the whole walk-in basis, kind of the old school barber mentality is still kind of permeating through our industry. Like, how do you find ways to motivate barbers? Through the career path that we create and and creating levels. So it's identifying the way in which they can 
increase their prices based on their demand on time, work a better schedule. Most barbers are working more than 40 hours a week and they're working 10, 12 hour days. They're not taking breaks. They're just doing the work harder, not smarter pathway. I have a barber I'm so excited about that we've been coaching this barber shop who he, when we first met with him, he's like, I just work whenever, like whenever people need to be in, I just come in and it's like, well, let's get you on a set schedule. So now he's grown to, you know, charging $25 a haircut to now charging $45 a haircut. And this is in a matter of two years and he works five days and he has two days. He works 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. He has two days. He works 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then he has a day that he works like 11 or I'm sorry, 12 to eight because it's an eight hour shift. So he's serving his market strategically and his goal is that he's doing all 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. and that, that works in his market. But he's transitioned from just being super flexible to having structure and charging $20 more. And he did that because the career path showed him the way to do that. That's really cool because I think that that's a really common thing that barbers I don't know because they're like we're we're so different but really in terms of any service industry I would argue probably even tattoo artists and nail techs you know everyone this the summit career path actually can work for anybody that's a service provider Mm -hmm. and what I love about barber stylists is they're very analytical people that's why they love Mm -hmm. design and they love geometry so when you give them a roadmap that we have and we're coaching them through this career path roadmap the facts don't lie right they're all numbers and there's not an emotional tie to make that journey they make that journey pretty easy once we get them on board and so the ride is just you know it just keeps going for them and it's exciting to watch watch them make that happen yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because I think it's it's all there. It's and the possibility is there. Now, do you find that the goals are different for a barber versus versus just a stylist? And then the second follow up question to that is like, what do the goals look like for a barber stylist? So, barber stylists we're focused a lot on productivity. We're looking at guests per day. And in cosmetology and the salon industry, we look a lot at average ticket. And I won't say we don't look at average ticket in the barbershop world, but the metrics where it's usually heavier weighted becomes more apparent in the number of guests that they're seeing per day. And also retention, right? How often are these clients coming back and requesting you? Typically, barbershops have a high retention value, meaning the clients are coming in to see anybody at the barber shop in the commission worlds, but we want the barbers to grow the request rate for themselves. And we see a shift from, we do start focusing on, on future reservations as the barber gets busier, they naturally should have rebooking. It's just, I mean, the busier you are, your clients won't get in if they don't forecast their reservation and make it in advance while they're in the chair. There's a natural, progression that happens, but we focus more on the retention of how often these clients are coming in and requesting you over rebooking in the beginning when we're coaching them versus in cosmetology, we're really focused on rebooking at that moment. That's really massive. So just say that there's a barber shop owner right now, and it's currently in a booth rental method. What is a way that someone that owns a booth rent barber shop can implement some of the summit attributes to their to their company. I'd say first look at 
gaining insight onto coaching and mentoring. If you own a booth rent shop and, or you're, you know, obviously you're an owner in that shop, you have your own business, hire a younger barber to work with you and give them commission, you know, pay them hourly and help train them. I mean, you can train them within two to four weeks. We do have mm -hmm. a, we do believe in a barber associate program that we've been working on developing and our team of coaches who also are barbers known barbershops are utilizing this as a way to onboard and grow very talented barbers very quickly. So if they can maybe, you know, branch out and implement and help train and offer this path to commission and slowly implement into their barbershop, they would have a blended model. I think that would be a great way to start. That's so cool. And then for people who are currently salon owners that are really trying to appeal to having barber services in their space, what are some things that you feel like are necessary for them to really understand how to attract barbers and also continue to grow that side of their business? I'll tell you what not to do. Okay. Um, so many people call us and like, I think I have a barber who wants to come work at my salon company. Like, do you have a barber chair? No. Do you have a space for these types of clients? No. Do you have a wet station? No. So don't do it just to bring one, you know, like, oh, I'll have a barber work inside my company. It's not going to work out. They're going to leave. It's, it's just, you're not creating the environment as a salon company owner to expand properly, um, which we do have people doing this and we've coached companies do this. They're either taking on a space next door to them or they're separating the salon and the barbershop somehow and building, you know, the barbershop extension, which has three to four chairs. It's a different vibe, a different environment. They have different music over there. And, and I'm a big believer in this is something that Frank Gambuza really validated for me as well as a wet station. So it's important to have the chair and have the shampoo bowl right there that has that top that comes down. So it functions as a station and a shampoo bowl at the same time so that the client does not have to get up and leave the chair for any other services, right? They can all be performed right in that chair. And that is the biggest difference I find between mm. barbershops and the experience that's being provided there versus salons, right? In salons, people are getting up, they're moving around. In the barbershops, they're in the chair, that's where they are. They get everything done right there and then they can leave. Guys don't, you know, people go to barbershops, they don't want to walk around with wet heads and towels, you know? <laughs> Like around no, there. Oh my goodness. No. <laughs> as you've been working through, as you're leading this division, I think, and it's been going on for a few years now, what are some things that you were like really surprised by within the barber industry that could be maybe pain points or challenges that salon owners could experience as they are starting to introduce or expanding barber services within their companies? I, it's, I would say the setup and the understanding of the customer experience is the most important. They're two very different models. They don't fit together in one space. They have to be treated differently. And those who do it that way are very successful at opening and succeeding in having, you know, barbering services or barbershops. I would say that that is definitely the pain point. Having the right training path to follow of what it takes to what service, like service standards, what are the standards needs to be in the barbershop? Don't, 
if you just hire a bar and be like, here, have a, have a chair. Here's the services that we provide. And it's haircut, brow shaping, shave. There's so much more to it that we need to have a deep dive of services that are available that are offered in barbershops. And you need to be able to provide those services as well for that clientele. And I would say, in my experience, when you have all of those pieces in play, your branding, your marketing, your career path, your hiring path, the experience you're going to provide in play, it's actually easy for a barber to grow. In the salon world, in cosmetology, we really preach that like it's personality, you know, the communication and technical is 50-50, right? If you can deliver a pretty good haircut and you're a really great person and you're creating great experience, those clients will always come back. For barbers, stylists, there's not as much room for error when you're dealing with fades and line, you know, lining things up and how you edge. So the technical aspect is very essential in that experience to ensure that the clients are going to come back and want mm. to see, you know, your brand grow and your brand be successful. I love that. And yeah, you're right. Cause people who get barber haircuts are probably the most picky people in any company. <laughs> so I, I want to shift gears into branding and marketing because there's this last week I was working with someone to help them find a barber shop that they feel like they would be a great barber stylist in. And a gender neutral space is very important for this particular individual. And we went to the website to explore it together. And the verbiage was extremely gendered, which I know is just an antiquated school of thought. Of course, we're evolving. But are people still, are consumers still searching based on their gender whenever they are typing into a search engine? And is it necessary to have some sort of gender descriptions in your website to help boost SEO? I'd be interesting to see what they were saying as these names for their haircut services. Yeah, it literally was just like men's cut, women's cut. I still, to this day, get very confused as to what people mean by that. Because, like, if someone gets a fade, like, that should be one price. And someone gets has long hair and a blowout, that should be it. You know, whatever. Yeah. I, you know, but I think it's still, like, a very antiquated thought process. W- with that said, like, my main question is, like, when people are searching into Google, are people like looking for like men's haircuts near me or is it, are people like looking for barbers near me? I I love that you asked that question. Maybe 10 years ago, people would look for men's haircuts near me yeah. today. No, they're going to look for best fade, best barbershop, yeah. best haircut for XYZ. They understand the terms. And I, what I love about today and this industry is we're able to connect with people based on the terminology we're, we're, you know, calling a haircut and it's haircut and style. It's a, you know, a fade with design. What we would say, the consumer understands that as well. I, to me, that's what our website needs to speak to. Short haircut, long, long haircut, pompadour. Like they can Google that. They can Pinterest that. They can go on Instagram with hashtags. They know the language. So if anyone was really looking to see, you know, how their SEO is being driven on their pages, I would probably talk to one of our, 
Google specialist or take a Google class or go on Instagram and search the hashtags. Well, look, at, honestly, you can go on chat GPT and say, what are the best SEO keywords for this? And it's going to tell you. So you know, use that resource as well. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I would say, you know, I understand who you're attracting. My niece has her haircut is a shave all the way up and she has longer hair on the top and she wears fashion color. Right. So I was to say it's like a modern pixie style, but it's shaved. And she was in Pennsylvania at her, her in-laws and she texted me and she said, I am so offended. I wanted to go get my haircut and I go to this place and I'm like, oh, you're a woman's haircut because you're a woman. And she's literally, I get a barber cut. Like, you've taught me these things. And she's like, how dare they charge me more for this service that a guy could get and he's going to get charged less. And, you know, the generations are aware of this. So if we're not as owners and leaders. If we're not on this. We're looking like dinosaurs. <laughs> like, get with it. So, yeah, well, and that's exactly what I'm after. Like, I think people sometimes think this is so political or politicized or some sort of weird agenda, but like, literally your niece has a fade, you know, like, and, and gets a haircut, you know, that should be classified as a barber haircut. Like it just, it literally makes no sense. Yeah. So it, it's like in our company for a long time, of course we, we use Redkin, we have color camo as our service, right? And Color Camo is a very specific service for gray blending. Well, we had team members that were charging with gray blending, and then they would turn around and have a man get a permanent color touch-up with cover fusion and still charge them the Color Camo price just simply because they are a man. And we were like, no, you can't do that. That needs to be a, a zone one or a root touch-up charge because it's a permanent color. Color Camo is like a five-minute service. This other one that you just did is like a 45-minute service. And it took a second to even get our team to understand like, oh my gosh, like it, there's just so much like, you know, and of course we've evolved past that now, but it, it is really interesting to watch that unfold and kind of that thought process. And out of any industry that should be eliminating pink tax, I think that ours should be the first to do that considering we're so dominated by women. So I'm, I'm excited that we are making those strides because it, it, it's definitely interesting. <laughs> yeah. One thing I love about what some of the brands have done, Mizani is one of them. Their packaging is very neutral. Mizani products do very well in barbershops because of that reason. And mm. I think some of the rebranding has also for their styling products has made it very neutral. So we got to get out of this bruise, like these products are for men, these products are for these people, right? It's, it, let's just make them all for everybody and give everybody the opportunity to style their hair the way they want and use the products that they love. And it's exciting. You know, I think it, not only do the companies need to do that as far as how we speak to the services, but so should the brands. And I think we're seeing some of that evolve as well. That's so cool. I never even thought about that too, because you're right, Mazzani, like all people buy Mazzani and like you don't see like anyone kind of flinch towards it like if it doesn't align with like how they identify themselves so that's really cool it's true yeah that's that's really really accurate that's a, that's awesome insight so is there any other kind of advice that you feel like salon owners or barbershop owners need to hear in order to really make sure that they are 
pushing things forward, evolving and creating like a really good space for barber stylists. I do. I believe that thinking bigger picture, you know, when you're, you're going into this industry and you're becoming a leader that you're thinking of it as a business leader not as a barber who happened or barber stylist who happens to own a business. And we would say the same thing for salons, making that transition of understanding business first, because how you take care of people and the culture you create is essential to the success and the longevity and how you're seen. And, you know, I think the statistics show that the average barbershops are maybe generating $180,000 in sales. The top tiered barbershops, you know, that are listed might have $300,000 in sales. And if to be a part of this journey and to survive and sustain long term, let's think of this as as business and do it the right way to take care of people and provide a great place for work and provide great service. I think that's where we need to take this shift of it's not always about the money. It's got to be about what you're creating. Amazing. And about the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, if people are interested in, in reaching out to you or your team, how can they get in, in touch with you so that they can ex- explore services that you have to offer? Yep. I can be reached directly through our Summit website. You can request to schedule a complimentary 30-minute call with myself or one of the barbershop team members. So it's a, a great way. I can, I don't know, do we give out phone numbers on these podcasts? I don't know. Like, I, don't <laughs> I probably wouldn't. Um, maybe like your email or something. <laughs> I would honestly go to summitsalon.com. And go right on the request, schedule a 30-minute call because you can fill out all the information. You can follow my Instagram page. It's Jessica Loves Hair Biz. And we also have a SSBC Barbershop Division Instagram page as well. Amazing. So with that, what does happiness mean to you? Happiness means to me that you're doing what aligns with your heart. Honestly, that's what it is. Have integrity, care about people, and you know, making sure that you're enjoying things every day. Amazing. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I look forward for more conversations for us to talk about barbers and barber stylists. I've got to change my language, barber stylist. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, friend, for tuning in. And if you love this episode, be sure to share it with somebody rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you tune into our show. Share it on social media. Don't ever hesitate to send me a DM with any questions at Blake Reed Evans. And you can connect with Summit at Summit Salon. Thank you for listening.